speaking of failing, what do you think our chances are of winning? Like, I, I sure as heck did pick the worst map position just on a gamble to try and get the race I wanted, which I did get, but I don't know. I probably should have picked a different one. So are you are you on the Washington State Twilight Imperium uh, strategy Discord? No. Well, Adam is, and he's been talking about uh, the, the draft, how it went, and everyone is laughing at how bad we did, except for, well... I mean, the position Look, that Adam we're, we're, got. Give, give me a link. It's fucking live on podcast. I'm going to get on and yell at him. Where is this? It, send me an invite. Oh, God. How do I do that? Um, we're the ones who are supposed to make fun of. Like, we. that's why we started this podcast. So we can. He's not making fun of the two of us because we did OK for what we got. He's making fun of Marcus because Marcus plays to troll, not to win. <laughs> Welcome to Brokusatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Associated Media. I'm Harry. And I'm Sam. And I just want to apologize to uh, Harry for introducing him to the concept of vocal fry. Um, We were having some mic issues earlier, and uh, I was telling him that his voice sounded fried, which led to a conversation of a subject that Harry was unfamiliar with. And after some quick Googling, was very, very sad about. Yeah, it's always fun to find out a new and novel way that we have invented to discriminate against women in media. Good job, us. Good job. Speaking of which, Kamen Rider. Kamen Rider! (laughs) Uh, Well, we're starting with Zero One, which is not as bad, because you was here and, and not dead, and she's, like, I mean, she's not doing much of this arc, but I... I don't know. I have trust that they'll do more bit later. Uh, I mean, there are some there's some interesting bits of gender politics going on, which uh, should we talk about them an hour? Like, should we get into the show and then kind of uh, go into some just uh, random observations? Well, let's let's do the plot of the episode and okay. then we'll then we'll break down the politics at the end. So all the right. If we question, remember like 15 yeah. minutes from now, Common writer zero one two zero episode 20 as the episode begins. Uh, Guy's team is kind of fist pumping and being like, hey, we're ahead, 10 to 7. Uh, Tatsumi, I think was his name. He is very happy that he's going to win. He's, yeah, my odds are 100%. And Guy leads forward and says, it needs to be 1,000%. Also, uh, we should, we should definitely note right here. Uh, the scores that are being tracked for this are number of sales. Let's, let's just, you know, put a nice little flag on that for the moment. Yeah, and... Also, I mean, I, I guess this is the thing I realized uh, editing the episode, but I use the word guy to just refer to people in general a lot. But this is like the second show in a row we've done where there's a main character named Guy, and I'm just not sure if I'm going to be able to fix that, so sorry. Harry, are you aware of any other Toku series that have a main character named Guy? We could just go into it. It's it's a it's a pretty common name. <sighs> Alas. Uh, the evil CEO Guy. Mm-hmm. Who, whose name is Guy, is uh, just being a big jerk about his expectations. And, but Aruto uh, is off talking to the boss character and saying, all right, do you know any customers who need houses? And he just shakes his head and says, I don't know what you want from me, boss. I'm, I'm a carpenter. 
Uh, yes, they have restored uh, the Smile uh, Realtor bot. Apparently with increased security protocols, like, it's just a throwaway line, but um, that seems like something that they should be implementing with every human gear ever. I mean, they're they're trying to develop new patches and stuff to keep this whole rampant robots from happening, and, I mean, fingers crossed, I doubt it'll work, because they got a lot of show in front of us. I know, they got, like, more than half the series ahead. Uh, but yeah, very soon, uh, we kind of cut to a new character introduced this episode. Uh, it is a businessman, a retiring uh, executive of a company. And he is a very, very deep pocket customer. And he has reached out to both sides in this contest to let them know uh, that he is willing to uh, buy a house from one of these people. He wants them both to present to him. And he is willing to spend up to 500 million yen, which, Harry, if my math is right, is $500,000? Nope, you're zero off. That's 5 million. Okay, okay. That's more impressive than $500,000. Especially considering, not... like, last episode I mentioned that a tiny apartment in Japan is a quarter million a year. But I I don't know. This is, it's a weird contest rules they're following, but what they figure out is if they play the sale right, either side could just win the whole thing instantly. So good job designing this contest. Yeah, it's like the last round of Family Feud. Like, the first part of the game just doesn't fucking matter. It's just all about that last round. So, Ed, we we know he's he's rich in charge of a company. And also, he kind of looks off to the side, sadly, at a picture of an elderly woman. And, ah, he's got he's got the dead wife. Yep, the dead wife's. Let's see. Uh, both teams are there to court him. Like, the uh, the human seller, he's being very brash. Smile is being all smiley. As the executive is explaining a little bit about himself, he mentions his uh, deceased wife. And now that he is retiring, he wants to spend time with his family. And so he wants a nice, big, fancy house to do it with. That That's his only specification. It has to have enough room for his three sons and their families to visit whenever they want to. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. Like, no area, no color, no amenities, nothing. Like, he's given these guys a real big, broad brush to paint with. Yeah, but I mean, you could do when when your when your paint is five hundred million yen. Mm -hmm. The smile human gear says, "Oh, don't worry. Uh, this with our company, the we you buy the property, but the smile is on the house." And Tatsumi pipes up and says, "Hey, careful! The smile of a human gear is completely hollow. There's no telling when she's going to go crazy and attack people because that's happening a lot." <laughs> yeah, he's not really hiding anything, and he's just being such an asshole we've argued a lot about the nature of the competition they're doing and it's becoming more clear that's kind of loosey-goosey and like it's i mean there's not like officials following and also both sides are constantly turning into monsters and attacking each other so it's i don't know i it's a calvin ball contest terry i think the writers came up with this idea and they're struggling a little bit in some of the like they gotta have the monsters they gotta fight and stuff and, and we're getting decent writing but it is it's starting to strain a little bit. There's also the, you know, the unfortunate story strain of they're, I think they're realizing that they have painted themselves into a corner with this arc where they're like set on plot for 10 episodes. And we all know that they're set for like 10 episodes, which means like guy's going to win two, Aruto's going to win two. And then in the final one, like, uh, honestly, guy's probably going to win just so that they can t continue his threat. But hey, whatever. The stakes are super vague. Because it really is, if Aruto wins, a uh, mm -hmm. guy, like, gives up. But if guy wins, then literally nothing happens. And It's a publicity stunt is what it is. 
but the publicity has been so fucked up on either side, and I, I don't know. Let's go to the other plot line that's at least, that's uh, starting to move a little bit more, when Fua is going to his tied up Hannibal Lecter Hirobi. He shows him a video, and it's like, uh, they chat a little bit. Uh, I It was at this point that, you know, I just kind of leaned back in my chair, and I was like, oh, god damn it, Harry's theory was correct. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah. But, he, like, he... I, I didn't bet against you, but I'm just acknowledging up front, like, yeah, damn it, you, you picked that up before I did. I mean, I picked it up before they made it reasonably obvious last episode, uh, and right now they're still not super revealing it, because Fua has some footage of the mysterious figure, and it's showing it to Herpy and says, hey, who is this? And Herpy smiles and says, hey, I don't know, how can I tell unless I see their face, he says, while looking at them. Mm-hmm. And Fua says, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to hunt this guy down. <laughs> but not that guy. Not guy. <laughs> damn it, damn it. I need synonyms. Fuck. So, uh, we jump to Smile. Uh, Smile is in her office, and she is uh, doing research for houses, and she thinks she has the perfect one, and she pulls it up, and Aruto and Izu, they come over to the screen, and their faces fall, because they see that this house, well, lovely, is only, like, 25 million yen, so it's, it is so under the maximum cost, like, not even a 20th of the potential cost. This is not gonna get us any advantage of the competition with Saya. And the smile human gear says, well, I mean, okay, but profits, why, my job isn't profits, my job is to get people the best house for them. And, like, we need to renovate this a little bit, but it, I think it'll be perfect for him. Let, let's see. Let's send out the boss. Like, there's actually a little bit of pushback from uh, Aruto uh, at this point. Like, Aruto really wants to win this contest, uh, but then after Smile talks to him, like, you know, Aruto, he comes around. And of course so he does, because he knows that Smile is correct. Yeah, I mean, the full speech comes later, because the boss guy, he's going to renovate the shack. And then Tatsumi is there. He says, oh, uh, our, my Zaya spec told me you're good to fix up this property. Hey, I'm just going to attack you until you turn into a machine, like a, an evil robot. Like, Tatsumi is just gaming the system blatantly. He attacks a carpenter, like... The carpenter, like, transforms, and uh, then he transforms into the whale as Fua is there watching. And Fua just kind of watches this fight go on for a little bit before he says hell with it and uh, transforms into his power form. Mm-hmm. He's going to beat the answer out of him. Bad cop, Fua. Well, it's it's almost character development. Like, you know, Fua, he's kind of defending the Humagear in this situation. He focused more of his attacks on the Humagear, and he also finished off the Humagear first, like... He focused on him. Like, here's the thing. Fua, his, he had some character development, but now he's kind of backing. He, he almost seems to be backsliding in some ways, which could be, which could be riding to be fair. Like, I'm not saying that's terrible because he's getting more and more obsessed with this, uh, rogue member of Metsubojin Raidenet. That is him secretly, <laughs> but like, it's driving him a little crazy and, you know, Hirobi isn't giving him information and he's wanting to, wanting to find out. So he takes out the, so, uh, yeah, the boss turned into a mammoth, Magia. Mm-hmm. And he, he goes down pretty quick. Yeah. And the other guy just runs away. He beat up my favorite character, Harry, the crotchety old carpenter. Like, oh, I, I, okay, I read my notes wrong. A guy actually shows up and steals the punching Kong technology and then kills the human gear. So I, I might have been totally wrong. Hey, hey, this is the episode where I got lots of things wrong, as you'll, we'll see in the start of Gaim. <laughs> Uh, the house is destroyed. Uh, the carpenter, 
Uh, the carpenter is also destroyed. R.I.P. Carpenter bot. Uh, yeah. And then we cut back to Heaton Intelligence, where the carpenter bot has been resurrected. Death has been solved for these human gears to a certain extent. It really has. Now that Metsubo isn't corrupting their uh, programming, uh, any human gear that is destroyed can be instantly resurrected. Uh, with a couple exceptions, like uh, Izu, of course, cannot be resurrected because she has like knowledge of secret stuff, and so there's that. There's that little bit of drama hanging over Izu, but for pretty much anyone else, they're fine. After the jacking break and the destruction, mm-hmm. uh, Arto, break. yeah, presented by Zaya, copyright Zaya. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fua goes to Arto and says, "Hey, the opponent you're fighting, that Aya Kashiki guy, yeah, he's sort of, he's the other Magier, so I'm, I'm going to go arrest him." And for some reason, Arto wants to let him keep going in the contest. Aruto, he played it so well at the end of the last competition, turning like a potential PR defeat uh, into a wild success. This is such an easy win for him right here. He just needs to take it. Yeah, like it's, this is what I'm saying, where the writers are kind of riding themselves in the corner. Like, I I think Aruto, he's not as dumb as some other heroes we're getting to soon. And he, he should say, hey, you're cheating guy. Like, like, there should be a scene where he goes to the guy and says, hey, your person is going crazy and attacking my, my human gears. You're, you're throwing the contest. And Guy should point out that your human gears are also turning into evil machines and, like, we can't judge it by that because this is just a thing that happens now. Like, they, they should at least deal with that. But instead, for some reason, Aruto just wants to do the real estate thing. Izu points out that the shack was completely wrecked. So, like, the boss by himself can fix it. So Aruto thinks for a second... And he's like, wait, he's an android, and we have his mind on file. Yeah, cut to a Super Sentai team made entirely of bosses. Like, there's a (laughs) color-coded team of bosses. Like, did you notice that, Sam? Just, like, five crotchety old guys all waving around tools in front of, like, a freshly renovated house. Yeah, they're the best of the best, and all bosses. So they're they're just, they're fixing it up right away. Like, heated intelligence has unlimited labor (laughs) with the push of a button. Uh, so, uh, Smile and then the, uh, Smile and then the human broker, uh, they present their findings to the executive, and Smile is talking about the, the benefits of the house, uh, not really bringing up the cost at all. Like, she's saying that there's enough space, uh, that large houses, uh, they, they're actually hard to maintain, so for an elder, a single elderly man, that would be a downside, and Mm. if what he wants is just memories with his family then a house like the one she is presenting is absolutely perfect. And I got to agree, it's a lovely, smaller beachfront house with just enough space uh, for four families to live in at once. Yeah, it's he's basically retiring to a beautiful woodland beachside property. And I mean, that's it's freaking great. Like, I would love to live there. And the human broker cannot read the fucking room with this guy. Yeah. Like, he's the- just... He's just going on and on about the property he has, which is, like, just a couple million yen below the threshold. Like, he he, he clearly searched through his properties, found the most expensive one that, like, would fit, and is trying to sell him on, like, oh, yeah, it's in the city, there's lots of connections and stuff, the property values are stable. And the guy's just like, hey, what what what's important to you, man? Like, he he's having sad piano music while he looks at the photo of his dead wife and then stares into the horizon, and the guy's just like, yeah, property values, it's great, it's an investment. So... Let's just cut to the point where he loses the contest. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, there's a brief scene before he loses where uh, Fua 
is uh, shadowing the broker, and yeah, the broker is inside his head, isn't it? He goes to arrest the guy, but then the screen gets staticky. Wait, he goes to arrest guy? Well, no, he goes to arrest the real estate person. Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to get like a. <laughs> we need to like wire up I'm to Wi Fi. I'm going to email like you a, a thesaurus, Harry. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck you. <laughs> well, then I'm going to email you a list of the names of the characters of the show, and we'll see who gets better first. Uh, you've done that multiple times. It's going to be you, Harry, because I'm it. not getting better at this. <laughs> the problem is you have no shame. Ha <laughs> <sighs> They present their deal. So yeah, Fua is, he's running around. He is seeing this strange figure out of the corner of his, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> now I'm in my head. <laughs> so there's the, there's the person in a, in a dark coat. He's moving around the shadows and the screen keeps getting staticky and he's like grabbing at his head and it's like laughing and he can't tell where it is and he wanders off into a warehouse. So it's, it's pretty clear he's going crazy. That's in his brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so now we cut to the scene where Smile wins a contest. Uh, the executive cared about his family, and she cared about his family. She she had a human connection with him, which is ironic because she's not human, which is the whole point of the series. Could the robots be human? Yes, of course. Like, I I don't know, I'm kind of copying... Some, I, I listen to uh, uh, Abnormal Mapping, like podcasts mm-hmm. and they they have a they're doing a series on ghost of the shell right now and they're having a thing where in that show there's lots of oh could the robots be people and the answer is always just yes <laughs> uh so yeah aruto he goes outside after the uh, after the broker like runs away and aruto's trying to have a heart to heart he's trying to turn him back to side good like aruto knows that he's He's a raid rider or whatever the hell they're called. He's a monster, but he wants him to just accept the defeat and get better. The broker, he can't accept it, so he transforms, of course, and there's a fight. Aruto pulls out his Shining Assault Hopper, and it's really one-sided. Like, th- this guy, Aruto basically no-sells his attacks. He he even, like, knocks him down and tries to give him the hand. <laughs> He's the thing where he could totally beat the guy. But then he stops at the last moment to give the guy a chance. And then the person attacks and Aruto, not being an idiot, can dodge the attack and, you know, still win. Yeah. It's not a fight. It's just a slap down. It's like a come to Jesus moment. And so, yeah, the, the monster explodes. The belt is destroyed. And the broker, he's just lying on the ground, a broken man, talking about leaving the business. But then he comes around. Like, you know, he talks himself up and he just kind of accepts that he lost to a human gear and not just that he lost focus he lost the spark of why he got into the industry in the first place because even though aruto cares about this guy about the value of his life he also understands that letting him going on in this situation would be destructive to him and just for the good of everyone he has to just beat him up one time and he can bring him out of it later and it's fine but it'd be dumb to in a situation like this let the guy win and ruin everyone's lives. I'm not bringing that up for any particular reason. <laughs> so, uh, the guy admits he lost, and then <laughs> the actual guy—fuck, I said guy—the <laughs> person whose name is Guy, the C, the the CEO of, of Zaya. Eric, right, you need like code names for these people, like not their actual name. That's your mistake, Harry. You're learning their names, and you're not just calling them like things. You're not giving them, like, you're not calling them Peach. You're not calling them Baron. Like, you're calling them their actual name. That is where you fail. 
All right. So evil real estate person. I I was going to call him evil real estate guy. You could hear it in my voice. Yes. Yes, I could. Uh, Harry, uh, let's 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 pick a new name for guy. What is guy? Uh, Jacker. Can we call him Jacker? Let's let's call him Jack. (laughs) All right, Jack. All right. Jack shows up and he says that actually, hey, I read the rules. Zaya won the contest. Yeah. Like. You sold the property for so little money that did shift things. We still won. Mm-hmm. And Aruto, maybe because the stakes of this are so low, he says, hey, I mean, we kind of still won. Like, we gave him the best property. We made the old man happy. And Jack sneers and says, whatever, happiness? How do you quantify that? I quantify property. I, I quantify profits. And you're not going to be very happy when I take over your company. Uh, no one brings up the fact that, you know, that the evil real estate broker was a monster who was destroying his opponent's properties, which has to be against the rules. I mean, the belt was put on him before he did any of that, so maybe he's going to play the I was mind controlled card. I don't know. But still, that's got to void the contest. Uh, well... And this is a PR thing anyway. Like, why isn't, why isn't Rudo just publicizing that, hey... Turns out that all of Jack's minions, they turned into monsters, people. Maybe you should be paying attention to that. I, I don't know. Like, like if I, Jeff Bezos, Harry, if Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs were having this kind of contest and Steve Jobs' minions kept turning into monsters, do you think Bezos would let that slide? No. I don't know. Are... Aruto, he's a good guy. Oh, well, I can say it now. I can say it now. He's a good guy. <laughs> uh, but he he hasn't figured out how to be a good person and a good CEO, which might theoretically be possible in some way. Hmm. Yes, maybe that is his character arc. Uh, but anyway, we see a preview for the next episode, and Harry, there's lawyer bots. Yeah, so the next competition is, like, a legal competition. And one side gets the prosecutor in the case, and the other side gets a lawyer. And it was when I saw that, when I was like, okay, we need to stop caring about the specifics of this, because this is ridiculous. Like, even in the preview, I think Arthur says, how could this be the contest? Like, this is a legal case, someone's life is at stake. Yeah, and also apparently it's like a capital murder case? Like, yeah. How, how did Jack swing this one, Harry? Like, I mean, did he set up, did Jack do the murder? Did Jack set this person up? I Does I Jack know. know if this person is innocent or not? Like, you should know that what? be should that be weighed into this? It's not going to happen, but I would love if the trial is of one of the people who's turned into Maggiers for like what if the defendant was the guy from this episode? <laughs> I mean that that's not what it's gonna be. But I mean, it's just ridiculous because I mean they're either guilty or they're not, so one side is gonna be explicitly trying to root for trying to root for a miscarriage of justice <sighs> now before we go on to uh, uh to guy a little bit harry let's let's circle back around i actually remembered so let's talk about some of the gender politics of this series like harry have you noticed that in both the past two contests the human gear was was you know a woman shaped a woman styled human gear uh whereas the competition was a man and you know the 
that uh, the female human gear was portrayed as very sympathetic the male is very like asshole aggressive do you think they're going to be flipping that at any point like are they just trying to subtly cue in like hey be sympathetic to human gears be sympathetic to human gears well that i mean certainly that is the thing they're doing in writing also from the tech field i mean it's a statement where like you know all of the the ai things on phones now like siri uh, cortana stuff like that they are all female yeah yeah because it's their studies have shown that like in situations like that a feminine like voice feminine appearance is like people react more to it uh and which is true maybe on some levels but also i mean there's like this is a rabbit's hole of politics because then we get into like the subservience thing and like uh in the fields like one was a florist and one was a real estate agent and like but like she was kind of explicitly a family real estate agent like mm-hmm. not a competitive high level one so like you can see the human gears are explicitly kind of designed for the roles they're in. Like I, from the so you're saying the like the the roles are gender typed and therefore the human gears are gender typed. Yeah, like a uh, boss, he is an old man because he's a carpenter and electrician, and stereotypically you would think of that as like you know, there there are women carpenters, the women like uh, handymen, but that's not like the that's not the societal image of them. And like an elderly guy, a fun guy, we laugh at at his you know his Wait, funny guy? antics. No, no, I can say it now. Like, I'm not talking about Jack. That's the point of the new name, because I can call everyone guys. Yay. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, anyway, but no, yeah, they picked uh, a an elderly man. Uh, stuff like that. And in the next episode preview, the lawyer is a man. Because in a courtroom, you know, you want to have a dominating presence, so you would choose, like, a man. Like, in... Uh, the the artist well, assistants. Uh, for a they're prosecutor, all you would, right? Yeah. Wait, it's wait, 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 wait. Is Aruto's side like? Are they the prosecution? No, no, no. It, I I think it's a. I think that the the way I looked at it, it looked like the uh, defense lawyer was a humor gear. Okay, okay. Well, I guess we'll get to that next week. But anyway, just a random aside. I was thinking about. Uh, so let's get on to Gaim and. I gotta be honest, Harry, we could probably skip a lot of the details of these two episodes because there's a lot of spinning going on where the writers were approaching Endgame. Uh, well, uh, well, first, uh, you, you, you gotta leave time for the music break. Okay. There, we left time for the music break. Okay. See, so I, right... I don't I don't know about the music. I don't listen to our episodes, Harry. Should I listen to them? Maybe. I don't know. It would have a significant impact on our listenership if I did so. Like, I'm kind of trying to keep the feed pure. That's that's fair. Yeah, so Gaim, episodes 35 and 36 are the ones we're covering today. We can... There's a lot of points that I think, Harry, we could just kind of skip and or summarize because I feel like the writers... They've put themselves in a bit of a bind with the series at a number of levels. Uh, the most notable of which is that we know where this ends. Like, because I don't think you do. Well, we we know the future. 
Uh, do we? We know a potential future. Mm. Like, I'm not saying that... I'm not saying that the future is written 100%, but we kind of... We kind of know the general arc of how this is going to go. We know who's going to be there. We know who's probably not going to be there. Uh, also, I, You say that, Beth, Sam, but you've made lots of predictions, and some of them are correct and some of them aren't. Uh, but I mean, we, 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 can be, we can move a little fast, but we should still run through the plot of the episodes. I'm not saying not run through the plot, but there's they have a fuck ton of side characters that they have to keep sending on missions. I'm saying we kind of don't have to talk about those. Now we can bring them up briefly. Like, um, at, at the start, Reju is uh, running away laughing about the whole missile teleporting thing. And the, the bull overlord, he wakes up and they have to fight him and they kill him. So yeah, I mean, that that's what it is. Like, Kota, he pulls off the cape of his uh, Daishogun form and does, like, some bullfighting stuff. It's, it's kind of funny. Like, the king and Takatora, they're hanging out uh, talking about uh, the destruction of the world and the queen's revival. Uh, Takatora, like, by the way, Harry, Takatora's been to those bandages for, like, two weeks at this point. He really needs to change them. I'm not sure of the time frame of these episodes. Like, when I feel like maybe once the world falls apart, it might be super accelerated. Like, I think maybe from 32 to the end of the show might literally be, like, three or four days. Jesus. Rusho, the leader, he, he says, yeah, so my wife is dead and the world sucks and you know, humanity is doomed, um, and uh, I cannot in good conscience let them languish in their suffering. The least I could do is speed up the ticking of the clock. So he just... The king opens up cracks all over the world and sends armies of Invisid. Like, millions are dying by the second. His wife is dead, Sam. Of course the world has to die. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... and yeah, We get shots we... of, like... Uh, also, just... Random side note, for a toku show, I think this is a toku show with the most white people I have ever seen in any toku show. <laughs> Just because we see all these shots, like, around the world of white people being murdered by Invis. Yeah, I mean, like, Japanese toku, because we did watch Power Rangers that little bit and Black Lightning, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. In the Grease Lightning Garage, they're watching the news as they're saying, yeah, so it turns out those missiles, I was wrong, they were teleported to North America and blew up a big chunk of it. It's, I forgot that happening because... The world is just going to shit at such a rate now that it almost a, a massive series of nuclear strikes in North America is a drop in the bucket. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we get a speech at this point from Kota where he says, uh, like, he's talking about uh, fighting the Invis and how this isn't about Zawabe City anymore. Because apparently he's just starting to realize that this isn't just about Zawabe City. Kota almost redeems himself a little bit. He says, all right, we are the best people to strike at the tower. We're close. We got these. We got the lock seeds. We can take out the overlords and save the whole world. And Yoko pipes up. Yeah, I mean, the governments are going to be defending themselves and they don't want to get nuked like North America did. So they're probably not going to step up. And Kaito mm -hmm. says, hey, why are you saving the world that tried to nuke us? Like this, <laughs> you know, what, what? What is your goal here? Do you really want to save the shitty world? And Kota says, no, I'm not just saving the world. I'm also going to save my sister. By the way, his sister is locked at the bottom of the tower. She is currently being drained of all life force. There's like, you know, purple energy everywhere. There's like power lines. There's vines. There's also 
a rat and other team gam girl the one that i didn't even copy to the cheat sheet because her only wiki entry was like she's not a good dancer but she tries <laughs> oh, oh that's so sad so like i'm pretty sure this is her only contribution to the show that for these couple episodes she's part of the people who got captured and taken to the tower to be turned into life force for the defridging machine like the 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 thawing machine we jump to the city, like, there's a lot of CGI of destroyed cities, some pretty bad CGI, pretty lazy CGI, and Takator is wandering aimlessly until he spots Kota and Peach and Baron, and they're running to the tower to rescue people. Like, he's about to uh, present himself, but then he sees Peach, and he gets very, very confused. Yeah, because Peach was part of the group that, you know, tried to murder him and kicked him off a cliff. So he thinks, oh, is Ryoba manipulating this group too? Oh, I, I gotta be smart about this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good time to start. <laughs> Almost soon enough. Uh, yes, they're at the tower, and they're wondering how to attack it. Uh, Kota, he has a brainstorm. He says, wait, wait, Michi has scouted the tower. Let's just call Michi. We can trust Michi. Doesn't everyone here love Michi? Okay. So, Kaito is fed up. He says, hey, you know, Michi, whenever you need him, he's not here. You don't fight that odd. And Yoko kind of pipes up and says, hey, yeah, Mitsusane Kurashima is playing you like a damn fiddle. They played us like a damn fiddle! And Kota, who had almost become a better character, turns to them and says, hey, where's all this coming from? Like, Michi is kind of the type to keep secrets, and he says some weird stuff from time to time, but he's always done the best for me and my. So don't you ever say anything mean about him. Yes, how and- dare you insult him? And Kaito and Yoko look at each other and just kind of sigh. <sighs> so, uh, speaking of Michi, we get to see Michi's new penthouse. Uh, some invis bring up the two dancers, like, who are Michi's former friends. And they dump them in the tower and they're like, hey, Michi, what are you doing up here? Why are you wearing that suit? What's going on? And then Michi starts monologuing about how the pharaohs showed mercy. By saving people from floods. Yes. Don't worry, you're safe. The world is ending, but humanity isn't. Some are going to keep living. We are Noah's Ark. We are going to survive and repopulate the world. Us us team of street dancers, we're, we're going to be all of humanity now. And they say, alright, I mean, I guess that's good, but Koda's sister is still down there. And Michi says, don't worry, I'll, I'll leave everything to me. And it does redeem his character a little bit that he's going to kill Kota's sister. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, she's not a great character. Oh, it's, it sucks so much. Like, she is just on the show to provide, like, emotional motivation for Kota. The way Kota is written, it's funny because her she's written badly in exactly the same way Kota is written badly. So it's almost accidentally consistent. <laughs> so, uh. We at this point, there's a brief scene with Greenie. It's not that important. Uh, they're talking. Him and Michi are talking long-term strategy. Then we get to see Mai. She. What? She. Yeah. God damn it. That that I mean that's it's an understandable mistake. Like because it's not it's, it's a, a non-human not form and it's a male voice actor. It's just something you'll have to keep in mind for like just a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, basically she's just saying, "Don't worry, I'll keep my promise." The promise that she almost forgot about in the last couple episodes when Michi was talking to her, which is not a great sign. Uh, 
Now Mai gets to do a Quiet Place impression. Uh, we see her raiding some grocery stores, picking up some stuff to eat, and because it's Mai, she drops off money at the counter, which, on the one hand, cute, on the other hand, hey, girl, governments are collapsing. <laughs> it's a barter system now at best. Money doesn't exist, that's just paper. Michi shows up in his nice suit, and this wasn't even the series I was talking about a way back, Sam, when I said that there's a series where you can tell when characters are evil because they start wearing suits. But this is very much exactly that. Because Michi is, he's full-on Gordon geckoing it. Uh, Mai's, one of Mai's first questions, by the way, is, hey Michi, what's up with the suit? Yeah, I've come to save you. Do you know what state the world is in? Soon civilization will end and a new state will begin, where humans and overlords live side by side. And Maya's happy about this, because, I mean, that's a solution. Heck with it. Yeah. And Amichi says, don't worry, if I help them realize their goals, they'll do as I ask. I have a beneficial plan between us. So call Chucky, then all of Team Gag can join us. We'll rebuild humanity in our image. And Maya says, wait, what did you promise them? <laughs> uh, Maya's not a stupid character. Like, she knows that shit's gone very wrong for Michi. Because she doesn't have a belt and isn't important to the plot, she's allowed to be smart. And the conversation quickly goes downhill. Uh, Michi accuses Mai of always taking Koda's side and everything. Uh, Mai says that, you know, she doesn't believe in Kota, she believes in hope. She believes that she believes that it's still worth fighting for. She's not going to let him fight alone, you know. She She's chosen to stand with him. That's, that's her decision. So Michi turns on his heel and says, well, I can solve hope. Yep. That's not too hard to knock down at all. Uh, we get a very brief scene where the two rando dancers uh, go downstairs in Yagdrasil Tower and they find Kota's sister still attached to the life-draining machine where she is going to remain for at least two more episodes because this is the last we see of her. Yeah, I think she's not there for like, <laughs> she's she's not there for a while. This, this she, is why... I, this is why the accelerated time frame is a thing, because otherwise she would kind of be down there for months. I, I don't know how fast that life-draining machine works, Harry. Do you know? Do you know how Not fast, fast enough. <laughs> I know I know this is this is me and we've talked in the show about like inventing new ways to be mean towards women, but I'm sorry, this is beyond gender. Go to sister is just terrible. Uh I know, I know. Like when you hear life-draining machine. It's not really the type of thing that you would think would take more than a day. At the fruit bar, uh, y- Yoko and Kaito, they're eating together, you know, because they're kind of always hanging out. Hmm? Think about it. Mm-hmm. And y- Yoko, I, it's funny, but I like how Yoko says thanks for the meal to Bando. Like, she, she's, once she's away from evil Professor Ryoma, she's kind of really nice. She was always an interesting, fun character, but now she's on side good instead of side bad. So Kota, he's just sitting there. He's, like, not even hungry because he's wondering about the many hints that have been dropped about Michi and something maybe going on. So they leave, and hey, guess who shows up? It's Michi. Hey, Kota, we need to talk. And so they go to one of the many fight locations. Uh, This is the one underneath the highway. And Takatora, who had almost ran up to talk to Kota, saw that Michi was going to talk to him and said, you know, I'm... I'm going to listen in on this conversation a little bit first. So Michi has a full-on villain meltdown once he's finally alone with Kota. I hear you're still holding on to hope that you can save everybody. Uh, You saved Mai's life even at the cost of your friend's life. You should be proud. That's great. He kicks Kota in the face and 
from Kota's expression, it's clear that it's more the emotional pain here than actual pain, because Michi is still not a good fighter. No, he's really not. Like, you know, Michi's actor, he's a fine dancer, but the dude himself, he's got to weigh maybe 50 pounds. Like, his bones are hollow. Just look at him. <laughs> he's tiny. If, if you had the guts to make the hard decisions, you could have been the hero humanity needed. That's why I respected you, why I thought you deserved my... But you've been blinded by the disease called hope. You've been spreading it like the plague. Your hope is slowly robbing me of everybody I care about. And I have the cure. The only way to save Mai is to kill you. So he transforms. Pulls his bow. Akota, uh, this entire time, he's just shouting like, Michi, Michi, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? When Michi is actually very, very plainly explaining why he is doing this. I hate you, I'm going to kill you. Michi, what, why? And it should be mentioned, Kota, he starts in his basic orange form, like he always does for some reason, and he's still, like, equal with Michi, who is in the energy form. Yeah, we're gonna see that a couple times, aren't we? And that's that's the episode break. Like, so, Michi tries to, uh, Michi fires his bow at Kota, Kota transforms at the very last second and charges, episode break. And then second episode begins uh kota finishes the charge and you know engages with michi uh they're fighting a bit and he's still asking michi what's going on and michi says i'm just sick of you destroying all my plans and i'm gonna kill you and takatara just jumps in front and says hey cut it out mitsusane uh michi he kind of jumps back a little bit what you're still alive i could swore we killed you takatara asks why he's doing this and michi shouts back hey do you want to know why? Because it's the only way. I had to fight by myself because you've always left me alone. Yagdrasil is gone. You're worthless now. Just stay out of my way. Kaito shows up at this point, uh, not to fight Michi, but because Greeny kind of jumped him on the way here. Yeah, like he he was going to involve himself in the fight, and I think Kaito is just getting more and more. He probably would have just killed Michi if he could have in this fight. Yeah, Kaito would not have taken Michi's shit. But instead, oh. something else happens. Uh, Reju, going to jump into the fight, so he goes to fight with her, and Reju lands a significant hit on his arm. Yes, it's a, a nice, very zoom-in shot of, you know, it doesn't look that bad right now, but it's the kind of shot that you're like, oh no, oh no, the directors wanted us to remember this one. It's a cutscene wound. Mm-hmm. Red, Reju grabs Michi, farts out some smoke stuff, and runs away. All the all the greenies there is to do is evac Michi. So at the Grease Lightning Garage, everyone is kind of freaking out and saying Michi has been pulling the strings the whole time. You know, when Yagdrasil was, uh, when they were messing us around, Michi knew and he was just saying they're smiling. Mm-hmm. And Kota says, well, you know, keeping secrets is what hurts the most. And I know he really liked dancing. Like, he, he wanted to be our friend so much he was willing to lie about it. I feel like this is really the hardest on him. God damn it, Kota. No. I, I'm going to no. go get the truth out of Michi. Maybe the overlords are using him somehow. No, Kota, no. Kaito is sad because this is the man who is going to have to save the world. And he knows this because he's secretly on his own looking down at his wound. And it's glowing a little bit and growing the Yagdrasil leaves. It's a zombie movie and he just got bit. The strong, like, emotional center of the team... Just got bit, and so he realizes he needs to pass on his mantle of leadership uh, to the attractive actor who's worse in every way than him, but who the writers decided was the hero to save the day. 
he's great at stunt work. I'll give Kota that. Like, there's, there's scenes where he, like, runs on walls without wires or anything. Like, he, he's great physically. And mm-hmm. he, he also does good acting. It's just the character that he's written. Like, the writing is so much worse. So he yeah. turns to him and says, You're right. Naivete has reached the point of insanity. How many people have you fought that couldn't be reasoned with? If you find nothing in Mitsusane Kurashima's soul but a monster, would you still refuse to fight? Kuta <laughs> doesn't have an answer, but spoiler alert, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So outside, uh, Takatora and Peach very quickly catch up. Uh, Peach, you know, apologizes, and Takatora accepts. Like, shit's <laughs> gone down pretty bad. Uh, it's not It's not good for him to be holding grudges. Yeah, it's just... Whoever is willing to fight with me against the overlords, they're my allies. Mm-hmm. And she looks at him and says, what about people helping the overlords? They're our enemies. No avoiding it, not even for our own kin. Back to Michi and Greeny. Uh, they're having a nice, pleasant conversation around the various equipment, as Greeny is draining the life out of Koda's sister and several dozen other people. Yep. Uh, Michi is asking, hey, do Linmia have families? And Riju says, oh, yeah, like, parents and siblings? Yep. Mine were the first people I killed. It was the first time I enjoyed playing with a toy. The feelings on someone's face as they were in anguish, it was great. The only thing better is when a toy breaks. When you taste it, you'll be on my level at last. Uh, so Greeny is having a nice serial killer conversation, and Michi just absorbing, absorbing. <laughs> he petulantly shouts back, like, don't patronize me, I can handle it. Uh, we now cut to Mai. And guess what? She's dancing. She's practicing dancing. She's keeping on dancing. Like we always say, she's still dancing. Uh, she's like outside, just uh, using a reflective uh, piece of glass as a mirror. And Baron walks up to her and they have, you know, a nice emotional chat. He says, hey, Michi is our enemy. Is that such a difficult conclusion to reach? And Mai says, hey, it's a weak conclusion. You know, I'll never be so weak as to give up on a friend. And... Baron just says, I see, and walks off. Well, he turns around and he says, My, you're strong in your own way. You, you gotta do well. And Kaito, he's just, he's trying to give people the speeches and stuff before he dies. Yeah, good old Kaito. Passing on that mantle, the hero we need. Uh, Kota, he's sitting at the fruit bar, just despondent. He has no appetite. Uh, Takatora shows up and teaches. I guess he wasn't fully aware of the belt thing. Like, he realized when he'd been fighting that he was less hungry. But now the guy says, yeah, you could just use this to, you know, sustain yourself on the fruit. It's fine. Then they have a chat about the how Takatora has certainly been a great parent. And Kota, his sister, was definitely a great parent, too. Because look at how the both of them turned up. Turned up. Uh, they're very introspective about their shared frenemy. And then Takatora goes away and goes back home, uh, where it turns out he held on to his previous belt. He, As he's walking through, he's having some flashbacks to his introductions in the series when he when he was still apparently the villain, so they had to dial up his jerkishness. He was just shouting, get rid of all distractions, you have something better to do. And he now he realizes, oh, Michi must have just hated me because I was never paying attention to him and just yelling expectations. Well, I have a way to fix this, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Peach runs into Kota and she tells him to kind of stay out of Takatora's and Michi's fight uh, Kota of course doesn't listen and goes to try and find uh, Takatora uh, but he is stopped by Reju who says hey you can't interrupt this 
I don't actually need Michi's help, but he's just such a messed up little shit that it's fun to watch him break himself. Like, I'm not doing anything, and he's torturing himself better than I ever could. Like, let me have this, man. He'll dance for me, and then break on his own power, and I won't have to lift a finger. Like, it's... That's... Like, I... That's entirely true, Sam. Reggie's plan involves Michi 0%. <laughs> yes, he's just there as, like, a side distraction. And let's just, uh, we'll talk about the Reggie fight, uh, first, because it's, it's not the important one. Uh, Greeny is just there to distract Kota and to keep him away, uh, from the brother fight. And so their fight, it goes a little bit, uh, Kota, like, Greeny does not think that Kota has a chance against her. Uh, Kota quickly disavows her of that opinion, uh, going up to his final form and almost killing her, uh, but he is, uh, but Greedy is able to escape. And she turns and says, oh, I see it's already started. You don't know what's happening, huh? Well, you're going to learn what this power you've gained means pretty soon. Now back to the actual important fight, Takatura versus Michi. Takatora, he's just standing on the waterside, staring out into it. Michi turns to Takatora. He says, I'm reviving Project Ark, brother. Shouldn't you be happy for me? I'm going to save half of humanity. That's way better than you were going to do. And Takatora says, yeah, you're my shadow. Every twisted mistake I ever made. That's a great thing to say, Takatora. Like, that, that's a way to de-escalate the situation. <laughs> and so Michi says, if I'm your shadow, then I have to kill you to be free. Perhaps. It... And that's why I have to put an end to you. They transform. Uh, melon versus melon energy. Like, melon form one versus melon form two. So, very clearly, Michi should have the advantage of this fight. The thing is, he is an awful fighter. It, every time, like, Sid, we've seen how bad a fighter he is. Like, just in relative uh, terms. Because when, uh, when like, uh, Kaito wasn't able to beat him in his basic form, but then when he got his energy form, he was, like, so much... He was, like, a lot better. Like, but still, like, he wasn't able to beat him. Kota was able to, like, keep up with him in orange form. Takatora more or less runs the field with Michi. Yeah, like, the directors, they actually do a good job showing that Michi is a lot stronger than Takatora. Michi has all the power, but he has none of the skill. Takatora's just dancing around, landing finishers, like, he has a shield, and he's blocking the big hits. And... They're shouting back and forth, like, you know, why did you only learn from the dark parts of me? And she says, hey, you always were shouting about how the noblest should sacrifice. Like, and as far as I can tell, for you, nobility is just getting pushed around, losing everything. Well, you're super noble, brother. Sacrifice yourself for me. Uh, Taka, he does a strong finisher, and he uh, takes Michi down, and he goes in for the kill. But then as his sword is swinging at Michi's throat, he flashes back. He remembers Michi as a child. He remembers their family. He remembers the good times. And he flinches. And instead of, like, breaking the belt or something, which has been shown to be a proven way to disarm these people, instead he just pauses. And Michi stands up and hits him in the face, breaking his helmet as he falls into the water. Breaking his helmet and his belt, right? Yeah, like, he he's really down this time. Yeah, like, it's... I'm not sure if Takatora is dead, but it really did look like a kill shot, and Takatora was sinking and not coming back up. There's no body, technically, but then again, there wasn't really a body with Sid. With Sid, there was, like, not a body left. Like, Sid was squished between two giant mountains. Sid was jelly. Uh, S Sid was a cherry energy drink. Ha <laughs> ha! 
And the episode ends as Kota is running there saying, I hope I'm not too late. Oh, Kota, you're far too late. <sighs> and then Harry, I stupidly watched the preview for the next episode. Is this the one you were talking about? Mm. Mm. Well, hmm. Yeah, so the first time I watched the series, the next episode is the one where I stopped watching. Well, let's let's not talk about it. We'll just get to it next week. Yeah. Uh, actually, we'll get it. We'll get to it in two weeks. Oh, okay. What's happening next week? So, Gaim, uh, the last arc from thirty-seven to the end. Like, I kind of just want to do a run one go. Like, I don't want to do any breaks. So, we're going to do one of our monthly breakouts a bit earlier than we normally would. And as I discussed with you, Sam, so it's very telling that you already forgot. Yeah. We are. We're going to go out and watch a movie. Yay. Wait, are we watching Birds of Prey? Yeah, like that was Yay! your suggestion. It was a good suggestion. Yay, go me. Yeah, yeah. American superhero movie. Uh, like it's definitely within the genre of tokusatsu. And S- uh, specifically Huntress, who is a masked motorcycle rider. Yeah, sure. And Sam thinks this might be good? I mean, we'll see. Like, you know, it, we're, we're a week out. Like, the early previews haven't even come out, Harry, so... We could be rolling the dice on this one. Yeah. Uh, but it's a ways off. But I'll just say, like, I have, even though I didn't watch it the first time, I've looked ahead at the rest of Gaim and the plot, and things would be better for literally every character. Maybe not Reju, because Reju is really liking this, how his stuff is going, but every other person in the show, things would be better if Takatora had just killed Michi. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm including Michi in that, in that statement. Wonderful. Well, until then, everyone, just do as my does and keep on dancing. <laughs>